0: Don't you love the presence of God? <clears throat> love it, man. Ah, oh, so good, so good. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. I don't know about you all, but I am excited and very much looking forward to diving into our second installment of our series, All In. And for those of you that are just joining us, All In is a series that is a study in the book of Acts. Now I mentioned this last week, but the book of Acts, I think typically most people just think of it as this historical book, but I want you to understand that Acts is not just a historical account of the beginnings of the church, but it's also a greater introduction to the person of the Holy Spirit. And I just have to say that I feel like pastors have failed at teaching their congregations about the Holy Spirit. And here's why I say that. I just read this statistic this week from George Barna with you know the, the Barna study group. And this is what George Barna said. <laughs> Nearly 60% of Americans... Who regularly attend church. So this isn't just people who go uh, occasionally, but who regularly attend. 60% of those who regularly attend church say that there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 60% of Americans who regularly go to church. So, there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol. He's a symbol of God's power, His presence, or purity. And we wonder why this generation is leaving the church in droves. You know what? It's because we have failed to connect them with what is absolutely necessary in order to live a victorious life what am I saying? I'm saying that the only way that we can truly experience the Christian life is through the person of the Holy Spirit. Look, were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, no church, no Christianity at all. Are y'all hearing me? It's futile for us to think that we can serve God without the person of the Holy Spirit. But what we've done is we've educated Christians with every type of self-help message imaginable, but we've failed to tell them about the one whom Jesus sent to give us the power to live that victorious life. You see, guys, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that imparts life, that implants hope, that gives liberty, that testifies of Christ, that guides into all truth, who teaches us all things, and who comforts the believer. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to carry out his plans and his purposes. Charles Spurgeon once said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind we are useless. But now, didn't Paul mention this very thing, though, in Galatians 3.3? You remember whatever Paul, he starts with a question, he says, you foolish Galatians. He says, are you so foolish, he says, that after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Paul is essentially saying right here that it's a foolish endeavor to think that we can accomplish spiritual things in our own strength and ability. And of course, Jesus, at the closing of the Gospels, told his disciples that he wasn't going to stay here on earth, but that he was going to return back to his Father in heaven. He says, but he told them that he wouldn't be leaving them alone, he said that he would be sending them a helper which is a very appropriate name for the Holy Spirit, right? The helper. As a matter of fact, all of the acts of the apostles that we'll read about later on is because of this helper. Now, my heart for you and the purpose in teaching you this series is so that you would come to know this same helper, that the same Spirit of God that enabled and empowered the apostles To know that he is available to you. Not only is he available to you, but watch this. God very much wants to fill you with his spirit. You see, you've got to understand that Jesus' death on the cross was so that we could receive forgiveness of sin. And so that we could be in right standing with God. But his death also was the pathway by which we could become recipients of his precious Holy Spirit. Come on, cause someone thank God for that? Now, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me, if you would, into the book of Acts, chapter 1. Just to give you a little bit of a recap from last week. Jesus told his disciples to remain in Jerusalem and to wait for the promise of his father. And the promise was this, that they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then he tells them that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus was essentially saying that when he ascends into heaven, the person of the Holy Spirit would come to earth and that he would baptize them in the Spirit with a power from on high and that they would be able to carry out his work all over the world starting right there in Jerusalem. And just as a little teaser, in case you don't know the story, that's exactly what happens. Guess what? Eventually made it all the way here to Jacksonville, Florida now, didn't it? <laughs> now I want us to dive in to the story because it's in the story that we learn how we're called to live. And the story starts with the disciples obeying the command of Jesus to stay and wait. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now, we talked a little bit last week about the importance of us waiting. And as as we consider this, consider that the majority of our lives as Christians involves waiting. And if you don't believe that's true, then just consider this. And that is that the most asked question in the entire Bible is, how long, O Lord? Right? Did you know that? <laughs> but what we didn't talk about last week was the command to stay. Now, theologians would give you all kinds of ideas as to why Jesus told them to stay instead of each person going back to their hometown. And I think that all of those different ideas, they have merit to them. But there's two things that, that stood out to me and things that I want us to examine and discuss And so let's read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. We're going to pick back up from where we left off from last week. And in verse 12, we'll read a couple of verses. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. The two things that stood out to me was that, first, they were of one accord, and they were devoting themselves to prayer. Church, take note of this. From the very first day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has proven that he will only come to the degree that we have unity. The Bible says that they were of one accord. And one accord means that they were of, of one mind and of one passion. Now, here's where there's got to be some good uh, teaching delivered on this subject, because we often think that unity means uniformity. But that's not what unity is, not at all. To be one accord, it gives reference to the uniqueness of our Christian community. Now, here's what I mean. The imagery is that kind of of music where many different notes are being played, yet they harmonize both in pitch and in tone under the direction of the concert master. Well, guess what? We are those individual notes producing sound, which is different from those that are around us. But the Holy Spirit, the concert master, he blends our lives as individual members of Christ's church. And I mention this because the goal of Christianity isn't for us to become like one another. The goal of Christianity is for us to become like Jesus, And when we all carry out that function, that call, that purpose that God has placed on our life, we present a much clearer picture of what our Savior looks like to the world. Which, by the way, is the very thing that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. Let me just read it to you. John 17, verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. That they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that, now what's so that mean? It's about to indicate the purpose, right? So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Now, when you consider what Jesus said in this prayer, this has huge implications, Because Jesus is essentially saying that when the church comes together in one accord, that it will testify that Jesus is who the gospel declares him to be. By the way, let me just ask you something. How do you think the church is doing at that? And when I say the church, I mean the individual members of the body of Christ here in our nation. Can I just share my observation? See, I hear a lot of individual notes that's being played, but I don't hear a lot of orchestras. As a matter of fact, what I see is a lot of solo artists. Part of that reason why is because, you know what, it takes effort and intentionality in order to come together. But sadly, many believers, they opt to go it alone. They choose to dismiss the one another's that's mentioned in the scripture because those one another's, they require work. And oftentimes, we see this happen in the body of Christ. Don't you see it happen all the time? Someone comes, I see it happen. I've watched, I've been in ministry for 25 years, and I see people come into church, and they're like, oh, great, I love this church. I love the worship. I love the preaching. Everything's so great. And then all of a sudden, they get in relationship. What relationship have you ever been in in your life that you've not had some kind of problems? Come on, yeah. Don't don't look at me like y'all ain't married. Don't look at me like y'all ain't got kids. But it requires work, right? Marriage requires work. Parity requires work. Going to work requires work. Working with other people or everything. Coming to church also requires work. People require work. Unless you're going to be a monk and go live in a cave somewhere, you're going to have to deal with some work. Well, we often want to do those. We want to work on everybody else, but we don't want to work on ourselves. Ooh, what would it look like, though, if we all came and started working on ourselves and not try to work on and fix everybody else and tell everybody else just how they need to do this and how they do that? What would it look like in the church? I'm just saying, what would it look like if we just started working on ourselves and said, you know what? Instead of me trying to take the speck out of my brother's eye, how about I go get that big 2 by 10 treated 18-foot bored out of my own eye. Yeah. But it requires work. And oftentimes that means having to choose humility and being willing to change. There's that word that I know that you guys love, change. For example, here are a few of those one another's that's mentioned in the scripture. Love one another. As a matter of fact, that command right there is actually mentioned at least 16 times that I counted. (laughs) By the way, the love that it's talking about here, it's much different than the way that the world defines love. And I feel like I just need to go ahead and do some good teaching on this because we get this warped understanding of what love is. But can I just take just a minute and tell you what love is? Because it's laid out right here. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. It says, love is patient that's what love is love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs by the way i just talked to my teenagers just for a minute and any of my my young people and my single people here just for a moment if you have a boyfriend or or a girlfriend, and they say they love you. Well, you need to put that through the filter of 1 Corinthians 13 and see if they really love you. Because love is, first of all, patient. And so, ladies, if he's not going to be patient, he says, Oh, if you love me, you give me some of this and give me some of that. Say, No, if you love me, then you'll be patient and wait till you get one of these on you. Ladies, and you say, Amen. Parents need to say amen. (laughs) That's because it's not love, right? But if it's love, then he or she will be patient. They'll be kind. They won't be envious. So y'all need to hold your relationship that you currently have up against this because you might not have someone that loves you, but they might be lusting after you instead. Love doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor. So if he's dishonoring you or she's dishonoring you, sir, ma'am, it's not love. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no wrongs, a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. See, if we could just get this one command right here right. To love one another. I think that we would find that some of the other ones would be much, much easier. Ones like be devoted to one another. Now, there's a rare commodity in the world today. Honor one another. Serve one another. And confess your faults to one another. Which, by the way, this Prom, right here comes with the promise that if we will confess our faults to one another, our sins to one another, it says that we will actually find healing. Some of you guys need to find some healing in your life. And I'm not just talking about physical healing, but emotional healing and spiritual healing and, and, and healing from addiction. If you would confess that sin to someone else instead of thinking that you can just put it back in the corner, brush it under the rug. But the scripture promises us that if we will confess our sins to one another, that we, we would be able to find healing. And then there's encourage one another. Like who in this room would say, I never need encouragement, like ever, ever, ever? Like never. I, so if, you, if you're going to give me encouragement, just don't give it to me. Give it to somebody else. I don't need any encouragement. Is that anybody? Like I don't ever need encouraged. That's what I thought. We need encouragement. I need encouragement. You say, well, I don't ever get any encouragement. How about start encouraging others, given it will be given to you. Start encouraging others, then all of a sudden you'll find out that someone might start encouraging you clothe yourself in humility toward one another. Again, this requires attentionality. Because when the scripture says to clothe yourself with humility, I had to decide this morning like what I, what clothes I was going to put on. I could have put on this, I don't know what it is, white polka dot looking shirt, right? Or I could have put on my blue shirt or gray shirt, and that's about the only three colors I got. But uh, it was going to be one of those three. But when we clothe ourselves, we have to decision uh, to decide, what am I going to put on? Am I going to put on humility? Am I going to choose to put that on, or am I going to choose to put on pride? But make no mistake about it, that it's a choice. By the way, humility is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a choice. You choose humility. You choose to clothe yourself in humility towards what? One another, and then submit yourselves to one another. Actually, there are right at 59 times that the Bible speaks of these one another's. And friends, I've got to tell you that if we will live according to these truths, we will be better. You will be better. Others will be better. And the world will become better. Because our lives will then give light to the grace and the goodness of God that shines forth from us. And it will serve as a true testimonial that our message is right and true. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Hang on, Jesus. By this, ears are listening. What do you have to say? And he says, if you have Love for what? One another. There's another one of those 59 one another's. You may say, Pastor, how do we do that? Great question. How can we hope to attain this thing that Jesus prayed that we would have, love for one another? Well, the good news is God has given us the totality of Scripture, which shares exactly how we do that. And it's found in Romans 5, verse 5. Paul pens these words. He says, now, hope does not disappoint because, watch this, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit who was given us. As a matter of fact, we see this very thing played out right here in the book of Acts. Because prior to the Holy Spirit being poured out, The disciples were were scattered. They weren't of one accord. Judas sold out Jesus. Peter denied that he knew him. Thomas doubted. As a matter of fact, in Mark 14 and verse 50, it says, they all left him and they fled. So what's different in the book of Acts from what we see in the Gospels? And I know that we've not gotten into the stories yet, but so for those that haven't read them before, uh, you're going to see that there is a huge difference, a huge change in this group of people that had just left him and fled just like a, a month prior. So what's the difference? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Church, I can't sound the alarm loud enough. But then to say, we need the Holy Spirit of God. Yes. We need the person of the Holy Spirit. If we deny the person of the Holy Spirit, if we see, here's the sad thing. Today in the churches, I'm telling you, the majority of churches, if the Holy Spirit were to leave their service, they would continue on as normal. That's not normal. We must seek Him, invite Him, surrender to Him, and depend upon Him. Or else, what are we doing, church? Listen, when it comes to the church, the less anointing we have and the less of the spirit we have, the more bells, whistles, lights, fog machines, and programs we're going to have to provide. Are you you hearing me? Someone said to me just the other day, well, y'all need a building for your church. To which I said, no, we need more of the anointing. We need more of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of people. Because watch this. Like, if we get a building and no anointing, then I don't want the, the building. Are you with me? I want the Holy Spirit of God. I want the anointing of God. No disclaimer. I I think we can have both. (laughs) Amen. Let me let me throw that out there. Um, All I'm saying is that we need to seek first the kingdom of God and not a building, a program, or all the add-ons that we see today in our churches. We need first thing to be first. Matthew 6:33. Seek you first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. Then what? All things will be added. You. I'm telling you what, church, if we get a fire burning in each and every one of our bellies that can't be stopped, hey, John Wesley said it this way You set a man on fire, and the whole city will come and watch him burn. Well, guess what? I don't want to be the only one up here burning. I want this whole congregation to be set ablaze for Jesus. Let's dive back into our text. The scripture says, And all these with one accord were devoting themselves. To prayer. Now, I taught a two-week message on prayer in our last series, Marked. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, then I strongly encourage you uh, to go do so. But I want to highlight what we see here in Acts 1.14 when it says that they were devoting themselves to prayer. You see, this word devoting right here, it actually has several different definitions, all of which are applicable in regards to our prayer life. It means to be in constant readiness. It means to show oneself courageous for. And it means to persevere and not faint. And it's a good thing that the disciples were devoting themselves to prayer because they were going to need to be in constant readiness and to show themselves courageous and to persevere and not faint. But watch this, I don't think that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to write Acts just to give us a a historical account of what they did, but rather to give us an example of how we're called to live. Because I can promise you that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then you're going to need to be in a constant state of readiness. You say, what's that mean, pastor? That means that God will often call upon you when you are least Expecting it I know that we like to schedule God into our our busy lives But can I just tell you that God has a history Of calling upon people at inconvenient times I mean calling on Noah to build an ark was inconvenient Asking Abraham to leave his home with no clear destination Was inconvenient When Esther was called to marry a foreign king and live in a foreign land, that was inconvenient. Mary, when she was called to give birth to Jesus, was called to do so at an inconvenient time. I mean, imagine if your government had demanded you to travel to the city that you were born in for a census, uh, yet you are 40 weeks pregnant. Come on, ladies, that right there, inconvenience. I mean, that's, that's an understatement of the year right there, right? And yes, God was well aware of the situation. Actually, as I consider the scriptures, I could not even think, and I tried to think, I could not think of one person whom God did call at a convenient time. So what's that mean? You might want to write this down. Prepare yourself for inconvenience. And then, be ready to be courageous. And when I say, Courageous. I'm not talking about trying to muster up this fake it until you make it determination, but rather be filled with the Spirit of God. And then you won't have to fake anything. As we're going to read later on, some of the very ones who were cowards, not even a month ago, they're now as bold as a lion. And friend, that is what God desires of you and me. We must be in a constant state of readiness. We must show ourselves courageous. And lastly, we must persevere and not faint. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus says to pray at all times and not lose heart. Yet today we see people who are losing heart. And the reason that they're losing heart is because they have failed to devote themselves to prayer. The great revivalist Leonard Ravenhill once said, if you don't pray, you will stray. I think that's right at the heart of what Jesus was trying to communicate right there in Luke 18.1. You see, no man or woman is greater than their prayer life. And the key to developing a great prayer life is to start praying. Like, don't think that there's like this perfect time before you start praying. No, no. The perfect time is now. And can I just tell you, by the way, just give you some good application in teaching. Like, I can pray when I'm washing my car. I can pray whenever I'm doing some shopping. I can pray when I'm spending time with my kids. I can pray when I'm waiting and waiting and waiting at the DMV. Which I can tell you from experience will keep you from saying things that you shouldn't. (laughs) Don't act like y'all can't understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) Maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, well, pastor, are you saying that I should be praying at all times? What I'm saying is that we should be in a constant state of prayer. One in which we're constantly giving praise to God. We're listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we trust Him to be everything that we need Him to be by the power of His precious Holy Spirit. Listen, the true church lives and moves and has its being in prayer. Notice that Jesus didn't say that His house would be called a house of programs or a house of teaching. He didn't even say that it would be a house of singing, but He said that it would be called a house of prayer. I want you to notice as we go through the book of Acts, that in almost every instance that we see God move in a mighty way, it was preceded by prayer. It was a group of people who gathered together in one accord, praying, and as a result, God moved in miraculous ways. Now let me ask, what do you think would happen here in our church if we started gathering together together? Devoting ourselves to prayer. I'll tell you what, we won't know until we do it. Church, I want to challenge you guys to do something. Hear me on this. This is a real challenge. And man, I know I throw a lot of them out there to you. But guys, if I ever threw out a challenge to you, man, please grab this challenge. Gather together with a small group of people for the sole purpose of praying. I grabbed a hold of a handful of people about three months ago that I now pray with every Sunday night. And yes, there's some good football games that I want to watch, but guess what? I want the presence more. Are you with me? I want the presence more than I want to see the Jaguars win. I can go back and watch that later. I already know what's going to be anyway. <laughs> pray for them. <laughs> but I'll testify to you this. That that hour that I get with my group that I pray with, it's been starting a fire in our group. Here's the thing. We don't have to have a building in order to come together and pray. Because I think that sometimes we get into this mindset, well, when we get a building, we'll be able to come together and pray. No, we can come together and pray right now. As a matter of fact, can I just tell you that the disciples were not in the synagogue whenever the Holy Spirit came. They were in someone's house, the upper room. The upper room was the upper section of someone's house that were coming together and praying. Hey, this is one of the reasons that we are such advocates of community groups here. It's a time whenever we can gather together with other believers and pray and worship and do life together. As a matter of fact, I just want to encourage you. Visit our community group table that we set up every single week so that we can get you guys connected in community with others. I promise you there's someone who's going to be excited and eager at that table to to help get you connected. Because, guys, we need one another Like the days of the Mavericks and the Lone Rangers, they're over. If we're going to see an outpouring of God's spirit, it's going to be because God's people have come together and they've prayed. I said this a few weeks ago, but if you will trace back the genealogy of a miracle, you will see that somewhere, someone prayed. Why is that? Because James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The ESV says it this way, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Hmm. I feel like there's somebody that's here this morning that you just need to, to, to know that in your prayers, you may feel like they're not being answered. You may feel like God's not hearing you. First of all, yes, God absolutely is hearing your prayers. Just because he hasn't answered them in the way that you expected and told him to answer them, that's a different story, right? But it also doesn't mean that the answer is no either. I think so many people have settled on saying, well, God said I can't do that. And I think God is in heaven saying, I didn't tell you that. (laughs) Like I told you to wait, right? I know that in our Instagram Insta-famous, Insta-meal world. We want everything right now. But watch this. Prayer isn't like a microwave. Prayer is more like a crock pot. There are times that we have to wait till God moves. That's going to set so many people free because I I can't tell you. I I don't even know that I've ever even talked to another follower of Jesus that at some point they were like, I don't understand why. It's not your job to understand. Like, quit trying to figure God out. If you could figure God out, that would make you God and you're not God. You'd be a terrible God. And so would I. But you know what? What we can have is the peace of God that surpasses understanding. That's a greater thing right there anyway. Because even if you had the blueprint, like, look, Jonah had the blueprint, Hello? He knew what the will of God is. If I knew the will of God, Jonah knew what the will of God was. He still ran from it. So quit thinking that if you had the blueprint, all of a sudden, well, everything would just be great if I just knew what God told me to do. No, you just need to settle into the peace. And by the way, he's not going to tell you because he's trying to get you to trust him. But if you will trust him, oh, you can find peace. The greatest thing god could ever give us is his presence and this just right here really is what causes me to want to challenge our approach on prayer because god is teaching me to bring my requests before him but then to rest in his presence because what i really need from god anyway isn't just an answer to prayer but it's him it's his presence Don't get me wrong, there are many good and wonderful things that I believe that God wants to give to his children. But I just have to ask the question. If God never gives you anything in prayer, is his presence enough? Now, if you have to ponder that question, then that lets me know that you've never really encountered his presence. Because when you encounter his presence... That bill that's overdue, it won't weigh on you like it once did. When that child isn't making those decisions that you wanted them to make, the good decisions that you wanted them to make, you won't be anxious or overwhelmed with worry. You won't be scared whenever you see what's happening in the economy or in the government because you won't be struck by fear like the majority of the world is. Listen, I know that I've already mentioned this, but about three Sundays ago, I was praying with my prayer group on a Sunday night, and at the end of our hour of prayer, um, I had been feeling some discouragement. You guys know that pastors get discouraged, don't you? Right? As a matter of fact, just because I love reading statistics, this one is another one that broke my heart, that 38% of pastors have quit in the last 12 months. 1,700 pastors a month are quitting right now. As a matter of fact, I read another news article that popped up, and I wasn't even searching for it. It just showed up in my, my news feed, which I think Alexa listens to everything we have to say, but that's a whole other thing, because somehow every time I talk about going and getting ice cream, it shows up, and and I feel obligated to answer. But anyway, that's another thing. Pray for your pastor. I'm not perfect. But, but yeah, um, 38% are quitting 1,700 a month. And then I saw another article that popped up that says that Christians are very soon going to be no longer the majority in this nation. I just read that. I think I just read it yesterday. It popped up. Now, I said that I got discouraged and I asked my people to pray for me and they did. And the Holy Spirit filled me to the point that I hit the ground. I don't care what you think about that. I'm just telling you the truth. Couldn't stand up under the power of God. It was so great. And I cried for about 30 minutes. But I came up completely free of everything that had been discouraging me. Now, when I say completely free, I didn't put enough emphasis there. Because I got up and I did not have a single care in the world. Guys, that's a great place to live, and we can live in that place if we will live in his presence, if we will continually stay in a constant state of prayer, aware. We sing it in our song often. May we become more aware of your presence. Now, I have to first admit that at first I didn't want to ask for prayer. Why? Why? Because like many of you, I thought, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'll be okay. But who wants to settle for just being okay? No, I want to be free. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Listen, my heart, both as a follower of Jesus, but also as a pastor, is to see people free. And there's no reason in this world that we should continue to live anything but free. 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as people who are free. Psalm 118 and verse 5 says, out of my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. You see, freedom comes from the Lord. But freedom is given as we call upon him. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now, quickly. Stand to your feet. And I want to ask a very simple question. I want to ask who is here this morning. And you need freedom in some area of your life. Now, please don't be like I was a few weeks ago and say, well, my problem isn't that big of a deal. Well, first of all, can I just tell you that little problems have their way of turning into big problems? Oh, yeah. It's those little foxes that spoil the vines, as Scripture says. Little leaven leavens a whole lump. So don't this thing say, well, you know, I'm not dealing with that person's dealing with. Don't be like that guy that went up to the temple to pray and says, I'm better than that guy. No, if you've got an area in your life that you need freedom like now's the time for us to deal with that before that little problem becomes a big one. 2 Corinthians 3.17. And by the way, if you do have a big one, believe me, he specializes in big ones. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 3.17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And guys, the Spirit of the Lord is here. God desires to dwell in the praises of his people. Let me say it again. God desires to abide in the praises of his people. Listen, the worship team, they're going to take us back into song. And as they do, I want to encourage you to call upon the Lord. Do whatever you need to do to kind of just dial in to seeking God right now. Not worry about what's going on here. We'll get to the ice cream later, okay? right now. Just take this moment, and I want to ask you specifically, not just you as a group, but each of you specifically. What area of your life do you need freedom? I know you guys well enough because I know my own self that there's each of us that have different areas in our life that we need freedom, and I know that I do. Hello, I haven't arrived. So I want us to just take a moment, and I want us to just with one mind and, and one accord to bring our request before God. And can I just tell you, no matter what your request is, it matters to God. If it matters to you, it matters to God. You know why? Because he is a good father. So here's what I want to do. And for some of you, this may be something that you have never even done before. So I want to encourage some of you to step outside of your comfort zone just for a moment. You see, there's one sign. That no matter what language you speak and no matter where you go, all over this entire planet, people understand this sign. You want to know what it is? Surrender. It's an outward sign of something going on inwardly within you. And so here's what I want to ask. You don't have to do it. I'm not pressuring you to do it. But if you say, I want to find freedom, freedom starts with surrender. I want to ask you to just lift your hands right now. Come on, would you raise both your hands up to heaven? And then say to God, not saying to a preacher, you're saying it to God, not to me, to God. God, I surrender. We surrender to you, Lord. We surrender to you, Father. And Lord God, we say to you, Lord, we give our life. We hold nothing back. Have your way within us, God. Set us free, Father, from the things that have held us back. God, may our lives, may they bring you glory. And all that we say and do, for I am yours and you are mine. The church, I want us to sing aloud in one accord, declaring the works of our Lord. of you that you said yes and you surrendered I want us now to just ask to be filled with the precious Holy Spirit and just ask God to baptize us afresh you know I pray that prayer I feel like daily Lord fill me afresh this day baptize me afresh and anew this day and just ask him right now just prepare your hearts position yourself before heaven right now and just invite the precious Holy Spirit say Lord fill me fill me O oh God Lord, from my head to my toe, God, we pray that you would just pour out, Father, of your Spirit on our lives, God. Lord, empower us, Father. Lord, that we can do, Lord, the things that you have called us to do, Father, to be witnesses to the world, Father, to love one another, Father. But we don't have that within us, God. It's you by your Spirit, as we read in Romans 5, 5, God. It's by your Spirit, God, that we're able to love one another, that we're able to serve one another to encourage one another to choose humility and to surrender lord god to your call and your purposes so we thank you and we ask you lord fill us fill us oh god church we serve a miracle working god and you know one of the greatest miracles that we can ever experience is the miracle of salvation now if you don't know what that means that means that we acknowledge our need for God it means that we recognize our sinful condition and we call upon the one and the only one who can forgive sin and give us the promise of eternal life Jesus so I just want to ask If there's anyone here this morning or that's watching online that you have never surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered to his lordship. You've never confessed your need for a savior. Or maybe you have at one point in your life, but you've walked away from God. And you know that you're not in right standing with God, but you want to be in right standing with God. I want you to know that his grace is available. His mercy is here. His love is abundant in this place. All you have to do is say yes. He said, behold, I stand. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, he says that he will come in to us. Not just into our room, but into us. Talking about being filled with his precious Holy Spirit. And so if you're here this morning, and you're not living under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and you say, I want to repent. Repent means doing a 180. And to go the opposite direction, to not chase after these things of of the world, but to chase after Jesus. And you say, I want to be that person. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to invite you right now to pray. And what we're going to do is we're going to all confess Jesus aloud, each and every one of us. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord, if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So, we have the promise of eternal life as we start this beautiful journey of seeking and following after the one true God. So, I want to invite you to pray this prayer from the bottom of your heart. For those of you that have not prayed this prayer, we're going to all confess Jesus as Lord together right now. Pray this out loud with me. Pray, Lord Jesus, I confess my need for a Savior. And I ask you, Jesus. my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to turn from it and make you the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross for the sin of the world. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave just as your word says. And now I want to live my life to know you and to make you known in Jesus name amen amen come on can we thank God for salvation <laughs> praise God for salvation <laughs> friends can I just say our destiny is to go to heaven but our responsibility is to bring heaven that's why Jesus taught us to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven I know we still uh, have not made it through Acts chapter one just yet, but um, if you don't first understand Acts one, the rest isn't going to make sense because it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to bring heaven here to earth. Are you with me? Let me just leave you with this last thought. Don't worry if you've already put your notes uh, away. Um, All these points are on our beautiful app that some people put in uh, to make it happen every single week you can download it on Google, Apple, search Destiny Church of Jacksonville, yes this is a shameless plug, Uh, but listen to this every divine action begins from the Father proceeds through the Son and is completed in the Holy Spirit that's why we praise the Father, praise the
1: Son praise the Spirit Three and one. Amen.